Hello, we are Restoration Church Chicago and welcome to our podcast. You can connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission is to glorify Jesus everywhere, and that includes right here, right now. Thanks for tuning in. You guys doing good? Good. All right, we will continue with our series on the Gospel of John. And uh, this morning, we will look at John 20. I know we're progressing through this book, and it's been over a year now, but the end is in sight. All right, we got John 20, and the next week is John 21. And we will finish John um, next week. So just a brief look back at uh, John 19 which was the crucifixion of Jesus and his burial. We commonly celebrated Good Friday as when he died and Sunday as Easter. Uh, however, both, of, uh, both events of what actually happened in what actually happened and in Scripture stated that he died late Thursday night, Thursday afternoon, and was res- resurrected on Sunday. And very briefly, Jesus died on Preparation Day. I know we read that last week, uh, John 19, verse 31. And there were two Sabbaths during that time. You got the special Sabbath, which is also on verse 31, and the regular Sabbath. And um, the reason I want to bring that up is because in Scripture, it said in Matthew 12, verse 42, it said, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So if we think of a traditional Good Friday to Sunday morning, so that means it's only three days and two nights. But what actually really did happen in scriptures and what happened was the day for the Jewish day back then, it started in the middle, um, I think approximately 6 p.m. Versus now, we start our day at 12.01 a.m. So I wanna make sure I share that with you guys to know that if um, just in case someone wanted to correct us why was there three days and three nights, but not really? That's the reason why. So we can be more equipped to further explain the accuracy of Scripture and what actually happened to others. So this takes us to John 20. I just wanted to say that because in the past, to me, before I was a believer, I said, wait, three days and three nights, Friday through Sunday? That doesn't really add up as three days and three nights. For some of you who may be good, really good with math, you may realize that that's only two nights. So uh, this takes us to John 20. This chapter is about his resurrection, which was on a Sunday, the first day uh, after the Sabbath, right? So the Sabbath is usually typically on a Saturday. Uh, Very briefly, this is a chapter that Jesus was resurrected and appeared to Mary and his uh, 11 disciples. Obviously, due to time constraints, I will not be able to go through every single verse on here. And as I have been saying every Sunday, please go home and read through this chapter in your own time and read through it slowly and allow each verse to speak to you because the more that we, we read it slowly and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us, we will know more of who God is, what he has planned for us, and his character and his love for us through Scripture. Uh, there are a few things I do want to highlight in this chapter, John 20. Firstly, when Mary went to the tomb of where Jesus was buried, his body was not found. So she called John and Peter, 
to come as she saw the stone, which was blocking the cave where Jesus' body was, was moved aside, and his body was not in the cave. I think this is stuff that I think we all know, right, through our Sunday school or just through stories and what have you. Um, so I, but I do want to point out one little small minor uh, I shouldn't say minor. One small detail that I feel is really important is when John, Peter, and Mary entered the cave, they saw only strips of linen lying there, including a cloth that has been wrapped around Jesus' head. That's in verse 6 and 7. Uh, this was an important indication that Jesus' body was not, quote-unquote, taken away by someone. Right? If someone had taken away the body of Jesus, as suggested by the religious leaders in uh, Matthew 28, for why his body was no longer there. So they told the soldiers that, hey, someone came and took away his body. Right? So if that was the case, they would not have unwrapped the linen strips and the cloth covering his head and put it, those things back where his body was. Uh, so I, we just want to say that because these are little details. While they are small, they are very significant details that most people don't bother to look, look into because if they look into these details, they will realize there are no reasonable or practical answer to explain why those strips of linen and the cloth remain exactly where Jesus' body was. So in John 8, 23, when Jesus spoke to the Jews, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world and I'm not of this world. This passage on Jesus coming back to life, his resurrection, resurrected in his physical body, not someone else's body, right? Or not just a, a spirit that you see but you can't touch is one of those ghost stories that we see all the time nowadays in the movies. Not just a spiritual sense, but he came back in his actual physical body. Is the epitome or the perfect example of someone who is in this world but does not belong in this world that we live in. So Jesus was speaking in John 8 uh, to the spiritual and the physical sense in terms of, I don't belong here, just like you. You belong here, but I don't belong here. But that statement also applies to us as followers of Jesus. We are here spiritually and physically, but we do not belong in this world that we walk and that we live in. Keep that in mind, and the more that we always keep that in the forefront, it will help us to not, help us to not be so affected or impacted or influenced by what is going around us. Right? Jesus eventually physically, I want to make sure I stress that, physically appeared to Mary in verse 11 and eventually to his 11 disciples and over 500 people. That was a fact. He appealed to over 500 people. We see that in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 6, to all the different people physically, not just spiritually, but physically. So his resurrection from the dead was not witnessed by a handful of loyal followers, right? Because if you, if you know you talk to only three or four different loyal followers, they can probably get together and just say, hey, you know what, let's just say we saw Jesus. But no, when you have over 500 people, it's kind of difficult to keep that as a secret especially when you know that you're going to get killed by associating with Jesus. So the resurrection of, of Jesus altered the history of mankind and brought courage and freedom. Courage and freedom that came through the enabling of the Holy Spirit to all of us as followers of Jesus, just as he had promised, right? He said, I will go to the Father and I will ask 
for him to send the Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit, that's when we can have courage. That's why these people, disciples, were able to have courage because as we're going to read this, they were hiding behind closed doors. So how did they go from that to preaching the gospel mightily and willing to die, persecuted, a painful death just for Jesus? It's because of the Holy Spirit. So 500, right? You go from 11, well, Jesus actually met with 500. So from hundreds of people, through the enabling of the Holy Spirit, was able to share the gospel and multiply that into thousands, right? And then multiply it into millions. And from the every millions to like billions of people, and it's still going. So the enabling of the Holy Spirit is what we always need and always seek for that will help us to have courage and boldness and freedom to make decisions that is unlike everyone else. Don't go along with, with the crowd, so to speak. This was how the disciples were able to face the opposition at the time and the oppressions to preach the gospel with courage and to share the life of God. So for us, we don't actually have any oppositions or oppressions, if I can use that term, because back then, they actually could get killed. I don't think we would get killed if we go tell our neighbors that I believe in Jesus and I want to share the gospel. They're not going to try to persecute you and hang you and stone you. Back then, they would. That's what I mean in terms of actual oppositions and oppressions. But let's talk about the resurrection of Jesus really quick. There are four things I want to point out regarding what the resurrection of Jesus means. It meant, number one, it confirms the truth of Scripture. Right? What Scripture said in the Old Testament was true. They said that Jesus will come back alive was true. You see that in Job 19, verse 25, Isaiah 53, uh, in Psalm 16, and many, many other places. It spoke about how Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior, will come back alive in three days. And then number two, it, it confirms that Jesus is the Son of God. Only the Son of God can this happen. We see that in 2 Samuel 7, Isaiah 7, Psalm 2, Romans, uh, and John also. And number three, it spoke to the gospel to be true. So we know that it confirms the truth of the gospel, the scriptures. So the gospel is to be true, and his sacrificial death on the cross was sufficient. There's only one person that can fulfill all this prophecy, be able to die for our sins, and then came back alive, and that was Jesus. So when that happened, that means scripture is true. That means his sacrificial death was sufficient for us. And lastly, number four is because of those three things are true due to his resurrection for all of us, through his resurrection, death is no longer the end. Death is no longer the end. I want to stress that. Okay? Death is no longer the end. We're saddened when someone passed away. That is true because if you love someone, you are sad when they, they passed away. But it is not the end. Thankfully to Jesus, it is not the end. That's why when you have that revelation, we can have courage and boldness and live free instead of having to live according to someone else's rules and do the things that someone else tells us we have to do. We follow Jesus, and we know that death is not the end. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be afraid of death. We just recognize that it is not the end. So practically speaking, the resurrection of Jesus, which was witnessed by over 500, 500 people, the, in the flesh should be the final proof for everyone, right? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Because all the other religions that we talked about, Buddha didn't come back from the dead. Dalai Lama didn't come back from the dead with the same physical body. 
Muhammad of Islam didn't come back from the dead. No Hindu gods ever came back from the dead. No spiritual person ever came back from the dead. No, ma- no made-up modern-day god ever came back from the dead in the same physical body as before. On top of that, no other person, no one else, said that he would come back alive in three days. So it's one thing to actually did it, but to actually to say it before you die and say, I will be back in three days, and... And if that was not enough, and the event of his resurrection was written by many different people in various seasons, in various time periods. So that is just amazing. So, so let alone, not only did he come back, but he was seen by hundreds of people. I know we talked about that. So Jesus was the only one. There cannot be anyone else because he is the only one who is the Son of God. So let's talk about the resurrection of Jesus more often. I want to encourage you guys. Talk about the resurrection of Jesus more often because it's impossible to wrap your mind around that. It's impossible for others to argue against that because I think people try to argue about Jesus was a good teacher, he had good ideas, he had great thinking, but no, the resurrection, there's really no answer for that. And proofs of him speaking that he will come back and others, other people speaking about his resurrection. That goes for me too. I need to talk about the resurrection more often when you talk to other people. However, all those proofs that I told you guys, many people, that's still not enough. That is sad, but it's not surprising because one of Jesus' own disciples didn't believe until he saw Jesus with his own eyes. That was uh, Thomas' reply when the other disciples said they physically met with the resurrected Christ. In In verse 25, So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, this is Thomas, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I understand Thomas' doubt. He didn't have the faith yet because of the Holy Spirit, right? So what's faith? Confidence in what you hope for and assurance of the things that you do not see. Because he didn't have the faith through the Holy Spirit, he said, I need to see it before I can believe it. I get it. To be honest, I used to be like that. Faith is something that you don't want to take too lightly. But because of the Holy Spirit, we grow in our faith. But the more that we put our trust in Jesus, we will grow in our faith and recognize that and live confidently, right? Confident of the things that, that we hope for and assurance of the things that we do not see. So we'll circle back on the incidents of Jesus appearing to his disciples in a few minutes. But first, he appeared to Mary. Mary was the very pers- first person who saw and spoke with the resurrected Christ. He could have appeared to all the disciples while they were in hiding first. That was like his people, right? These are my boys. I mean, I wait. I I shouldn't say that. These are my people. These are my guys. These are my disciples. He could have and should have appeared to them first. If someone was making up stories about Jesus' resurrection, it would have been much more believable, especially during that time, for Jesus to appear to his disciples first. It would have been much more acceptable because culturally back then, the man had all the rights and the priorities. Women were not allowed to own properties or land or get jobs to support themselves like today. 
please don't be offended when I say this, but women, women back in those days, culturally in those days, were second-class citizens, right? Almost like nameless, faceless, not, it's maybe worthless compared to the, to the man. However, God does not, does not feel the same way. He does not feel the same way or he did not treat women as second-class citizen. Jesus first appeared to Mary. Isn't that amazing? I wish I was the first one that Jesus appeared to, but no. He appeared to Mary and addressing her as what? Woman. This title does not, it was not meant to be demeaning, but to acknowledge that Mary is a woman. Not a servant, not a second-class citizen. This may sound very trivial, but we should not take it lightly. And I, I, I say this with all the sensitivity of what's going on around us. We should not take this term lightly when Jesus addressed Mary as a woman because due to the current political environment, a soon-to-be-sitting female U.S. Supreme Court justice would not publicly acknowledge, acknowledge that she is a woman. So... Do not take that lightly when Jesus addressed someone as a woman. I also want to highlight that Jesus was not, recognized, was not recognizable by those closest to him. Mary spent a lot of time with Jesus, but, he didn't rec- but she didn't recognize him at first. That was, that was kind of really interesting, right? Because you would think, if I spend a lot of time with like Marie or Cynthia, and, and I don't see her for three days, I know that's Marie. I know that Cynthia. That was, yeah, she was crying, but that's not it. <laughs> so this, because, because there was a transformation when Jesus came back from the resurrection. So this change or the transformation spiritually is the same as when we receive salvation through Jesus, through our acceptance of Jesus as the Son of God. The God who died on the cross for us die for our sins, so then when we receive Jesus, we will be transformed spiritually. And if we truly accept Jesus, we will be truly transformed that people from our past will not be able to recognize us spiritually because we will make decisions. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I, I don't know if that's a privilege or what, but I get to live what it was like to not having Jesus, to live what it is to have Jesus. I can tell you all my friends would not recognize me for where I am today. And that's, I think that's the same for all of us. When we are truly accept Jesus and live as who he had called us to be, we will be transformed. We will be different people. If you guys ever hear people say, there's something different about you, there, there you go. Thank you, Jesus. New creations. So that is a glimpse of the things that we also get to go through. So it is because when we accept Jesus, our spirits have died with Jesus and raised back with him. And we have been resurrected with Jesus and our spirit have been renewed, right, transformed into the people who now belong in the kingdom of God. We're now clothed with the righteousness of Jesus and have the Holy Spirit dwells within us. I know sometimes it's difficult. I know for me to fully grasp what that means. But because of Jesus, I have the righteousness of him. And the Holy Spirit dwells within me. Even though I mess up all the time. 
the Holy Spirit was still, still dwells within me. So I believe that's, that, 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 I believe that was what happened when Jesus looked like an angel to Mary. So after Mary still didn't realize that Jesus was speaking to her, Jesus changed his addressing of Mary from a woman to Mary. Mary. He called her by her name. That was when Mary realized that it was Jesus speaking to her. Jesus called each and every one of us by name. You know, it's not like, hey, you. Or, or hey, buddy. Or, hey, um, what's your name again? No, Mary. Mary. He knows each of us by name. He knows every one of us by name. Right? In Isaiah 43, verse 1, it said, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Therefore, Mary knew exactly who was speaking to her once she heard Jesus called her by name, right? Once he said Mary, she recognized, oh, that is my God. That is Jesus. He has summoned us and redeemed us by name. We will know when God speaks to us. We may deny it. We may try to uh, uh, not acknowledge it, but we know deep in our heart when God speaks to us, when he calls us by our name, by my name, by your name. So Jesus' instruction to Mary was, I know I'm kind of trying to go through this very quickly, is when Jesus said, do not hold on to me, this is in verse 17, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Firstly, let's talk about do not hold on to me, as in hold on to what you know or see in the natural. Do not hold on to what you used to know. Because I was a man walking with limitation, but do not hold on to that with our natural eyes, with our natural understanding. So don't hold on to me. It's almost like don't hold on to the previous understanding of what it's like to, to operate in the natural with our surroundings. Right? Number one, also to uh, don't. If we hold on to Jesus and think of him as someone that we know, like just another person, we won't, will not be able to fully embrace, fully embrace the promises that Jesus has spoken about when he has sent to the Father, that he's sitting at the right throne, of, uh, at the right hand on the throne of God, with God. And if we hold on to who Jesus is as a person, as someone that we know and that we can relate to, as a person on earth, physical, we will make decisions or live our lives according to our surrounding and according, according to our understanding versus what God has shown us or live according to the promises that God has spoken over us. So I believe Jesus wanted Mary and the other disciples to wait until he ascended to the Father so they can have all that Jesus had promised them, right? Eternal life and the Holy Spirit. Don't hang on to what I was Follow me to where I will be. So you can have the Holy Spirit and experience and know that you have eternal life and know that I am waiting for you. Just like Jesus said, right? I'm preparing a room for you, preparing a place for you. So don't hold on to me can still be said to many of us, right? Many of us, myself sometimes included, as followers of Jesus, we believe in Jesus as the Son of God, but are still holding on to him as a man and live our lives make a decision, organize our lives around what a man should do, right? 
go to work, submit to our boss, go to church once in a while just to make we feel good, versus recognizing that we have Jesus, our God, our Savior, is constantly interceding for us, has amazing power over all things, and want us to step into all the promises that he has and want us to receive all the inheritance that we have. That's what Jesus is trying to say. So, and then secondly, if we move on, and Jesus said, go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am a, tell my brothers, right? I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. That was his very first, and if I can say this, very short version very first instruction of what will eventually be the Great Commission, right? Go, tell them, I'm ascending to the Father. And it was to, again, to marry a woman. Isn't that amazing? If you ever hear talks or sermons or people criticizing about women being devalued in Christianity, go to this passage. Go to this passage and note that Almighty God first appeared to when he was resurrected to a woman named Mary and tell her to go share with others about who he is. The very first person that was entrusted with the commission was Mary. In Romans 10 verse 15, it said, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And the first pair of beautiful feet to bring good news was Mary. A woman. See, I just really felt to stress that because I know nowadays there's so much misconception and so much misperception about a woman, how it's not worth anything, you're not able to do anything, and supposed to walk like six feet behind and blah, blah, blah. I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say blah, blah, blah. That's on recording. But Jesus appeared to Mary, a woman, first. She was the first one to proclaim, I have seen the Lord. Right? No one else can say that. She was the first one to say, I have seen the Lord. Mary was the first one sent by Jesus to proclaim the good news. You know, we use the term apostle a lot. Apostle means sent. And Mary was sent by Jesus. Mary was the first apostle to the apostles, if I can use that term. So in verse 17, this was also the first time that Jesus addressed his disciples as brothers. That's amazing, right? So Jesus paid for the sins of all mankind. Now we're no longer servants or disciples, but we're brothers and sisters because the sin had been paid and it was inadequate and sufficient, his blood on the cross. He used to call them as what? Servants? You know, if you, we've gone through 20, 19 chapters of John, right? Servants, students, disciples, or even friends. But now, brothers. Now is brothers. Only after he had paid for our sins. Brothers. We're brothers and sisters of Jesus. So he had completed the task of paying for our sins through his death on the cross. His disciples, just as we are now, can be considered as brothers and sisters to Jesus, the Son of God. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Maybe it's just to me. That's amazing. We can now call on God as our Father, just as Jesus does, and come face to face with our God, just as Jesus does. Thank you, Jesus. That's why we sing to him. That's why we worship him, because we recognize that what he has done and the privilege that we have now, even though we've done nothing, 
Jesus paid for it all. Suddenly now we're brothers and sisters of Jesus. Later on in this chapter, we see that Jesus appealed to his disciples who were hiding behind locked doors due to the fear of the Jewish leaders. The very first thing he said in verse 19, the very first thing he said to them was, peace be with you. In this very short passage, he said this three times. We see that in verse 19, verse 21, and verse 26. When we're faced with fear, doubt, struggles, obstacles, turn to Jesus. Because that was the first thing he said to them. Peace be with you. Right? He didn't come and say, well, you cowards. What are you scared of? What are you worried about? Why are you hiding? But he said, peace be with you. That was his way of comforting his brothers and sisters. He will always bring peace and rest. That is who he is. That was the first thing he spoke to them. Peace be with you. Don't fear, right? We see that all the time. Be courageous. Be strong. Peace be with you. Biblical peace and rest does not mean laying around and do nothing, right? I think there's, there's some thinking and theology out there like, well, I I need to have peace, so I need to just go sit and lay down, which is fine. We need to have rest. But the biblical peace of God does not mean you do nothing. The peace of God means we carry a sense of peacefulness while we're being active, while we're being busy, while we're carrying on the task that God has called us to do with a sense of peace within us. That's what biblical peace means. It doesn't mean just sitting around and do nothing and looking zen-like. That is not biblical peace. These disciples were scared, right? They were hiding from the leaders because they knew that they would be persecuted. However, after receiving the peace of God, we know this, they went on to dramatically change the history of mankind. Dramatically change the history of mankind. That's what I said earlier. Courage and boldness and strength and freedom. They're no longer hiding behind locked doors. They were going out everywhere, sharing the gospel, speaking freely, giving up their lives in the process of sharing the gospel, right? If you can see that, from being scared to willing to die for Jesus because they had the peace of God and they received the Holy Spirit. So that is biblical peace. That is what it meant to have the peace of God, having the courage, having the passion, having the strength, to impact and influence the surrounding and the people around us, right? It's easy to say. It's very encouraging and motivating to say this on a Sunday, but think about that on a Monday morning. I want to encourage you. The peace of God is always with us, always with us. On a Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, all the time. All right, so now let's come back to Thomas. Who would not believe the other disciples about the resurrection of Jesus until he sees Jesus with his own eyes and touch him with his own hands? All right, like I said earlier, I sympathize with Thomas because I get it. You know, a lot of us are very practical. It's like, well, that doesn't make sense until I actually understand it, until I see it. See, that's how we, most of us think. I think it's okay for us to be honest and can accept that. Because, but then Thomas eventually believed when Jesus showed himself to Thomas. This is when Jesus said in verse 29, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. We are those who have not seen yet believe. 
because we have not physically seen Jesus. I haven't, but yet have believed. We're blessed by Jesus, right? right? We talked about Jesus as the Son of God. Scripture confirms who he is. He died on the cross for us. Now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. We're blessed by Jesus. Remember that always. Remember that always, that we're blessed when things don't go our way. I'm sure there are times during the day or the week when you don't feel blessed, but choose to remember that we're blessed by Jesus. Remember when we're blessed, when we're feeling down, right? Maybe like things didn't go your way with, with work or with people or relationship, but remember and remind ourselves that we're blessed by Jesus. Remember that we're blessed when it seems like everything is always against us, right? Or we make the wrong decisions or they make the right decisions or do things that just feel so overwhelmed that you're in the middle of the situation that you cannot get out. Remember, we're blessed by Jesus. Because if we know who Jesus is, being blessed by Jesus brings a completely different perspective and meaning to our surrounding and our situations. I'm almost done. I'm finishing up right now. So just remember that we're brothers and sisters of Jesus and we're blessed by Jesus, who is the Son of God. We're blessed because we have not seen and yet have believed. Thank you, Jesus. Not that we need another reason, but one more reason to say thank you, Jesus. I want to end with these last two verses in this chapter. Verse 30 and 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So when you believe in Jesus, we have eternal life and we have the Holy Spirit. So eternal life will help us to recognize that death is not the end. And we have the Holy Spirit that will give us a bonus and the courage and the wisdom and the strength and the ability to overcome our situations and to be reminded that we're blessed and grow in our faith, not like Thomas. Grow in our faith and remember, we will grow in the confidence of knowing that what we had hoped for will come true and grow in our assurance of the things that we do not see will happen. That's what we need, the Holy Spirit. And thank you that we're blessed. So not only are we blessed and be called the sisters and brothers by the Son of God, but we will have eternal life and the Holy Spirit. That alone, that alone should be able to allow us to say thank you, Jesus. And it's because of our belief in Jesus. So, um, amen. Amen. Chapter 20 is amazing. It's the resurrection of Jesus. And as I said, I want to encourage you guys, talk about that more often. Bring that up more often in our conversation with people about who Jesus is. People tend to talk about other things that they want to talk about. But when we talk about the resurrection, it's very difficult to argue against that and to wrap our minds around that. So, okay, I'm going to pray for us. So why don't we, um, okay, stand up. Why don't you guys stand up? I know these benches are hard and it's not very comfy. So let's stand up, stretch our legs, and uh, I'll pray for us. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you for you, God. Just thank you for your presence. Just thank you for your glory. 
I just felt like as we started worshiping, the presence of God was here. As, as the prophetic word that came through from Vanessa and from Cynthia, that for us to be reminded of who you are and to receive your glory and recognize that, Jesus, you are Lord, you are King, you are our God, Lord. I'm so thankful for that, Lord. I'm so thankful for that, Lord. I just pray that at this moment you will continue to reveal to us of who you are. Allow us to know more of you, God. Allow us to grow in our understanding of you, grow in our revelation of you, grow in our faith for you, and grow in our ability to be courageous and strong for you, Lord Jesus, and to be able to impact and influence the people around us, the environment around us, and speak life into the situation around us. Just one moment, I just felt like to, to say that uh, for those who don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, I would love to invite you into a prayer to accept Jesus if you don't know him. If anyone here who don't know Jesus and you want to know Jesus, I would love for you to come up here with me afterward. I would love to stand with you and pray with you to receive Jesus so that we can have the Holy Spirit and recognize that we will have eternal life. Not only that, eternal life is awesome, but we can have eternal life to be united with all those who have come before us and to be united with all those who will come after us, to be together as we worship our Lord and our King Jesus. Thank you, God. I just pray that you will be with us as we go through this day and this week and this month and just to be able to, as an example for, for, for Mary, to say, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord, and I know Jesus. And be able to proclaim your goodness over our lives through the decision that we make and through who we are as your people, as your brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And we pray to all these things in your mighty name, God. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope you were encouraged. Don't forget to connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. 